What if you need to buy yourself some time, but you can't afford to tell people the reason why? Well, you might consider the strategy used by the Spartan commander, Dirkilidus. Hi there, I'm Alex Petkus. Welcome to another episode of The Cost of Glory. It's our mission here to retell the lives of the great Greek and Roman leaders in order to bring out greatness in our own lives. So often a leader has to rely on intuition in making a decision, or he has information that he can't possibly explain to all of his subordinates and his lieutenants or maybe his employees. But, you know, you have to tell them something because people want to feel confident that the leader has a plan, that everything they're doing is happening for a good reason. So you have to tell them something and sometimes intuition or whatever your actual reason is, it's not something you can say. What can you do? Well, here's an idea. Dirkilidus, this Spartan commander, he was commanding an army of Spartans and allies in Asia Minor. And for the Cost of Glory superfans, this event happens around the time uh, after the end of the Peloponnesian War, around the time of Lysander and Agesilaus in the 390s BC. So Dirkilidus wants to capture an important city in Asia Minor. It's near Troy, and it's a very important city to the Persian king, and it's loyal to the Persian king. But Dirkilidus also has reason to believe that if he just waits long enough, that the city is going to give itself up of its own accord. It has a mixed population of local Anatolian peoples and uh, also a lot of Greeks, sort of divided city. And the Anatolians are in charge uh, and they want to stay loyal to the king of Persia. But the Greeks in the city are leaning towards the Spartan cause. However, they need more time to organize and consolidate their following in order to seize power in the city before they can let the Spartans in safely and betray the city basically to the Spartans. So to wait is the best option for Dirkilidus. Uh, the city is a stronghold on a hill and attacking it directly is going to be costly and dangerous and the Spartans don't like to attack walled cities. However, Dirkilidus also knows that the Persian governor, a guy named Pharnabazus, is nearby and it's really only a matter of time before Pharnabazus shows up with a big army to relieve the city. And on top of that, his troops and his lieutenants also know that Pharnabazus is nearby. You can't really keep a secret like that very effectively. And so Dercilidus doesn't have a lot of time uh, to, to take action here. And if his troops know the real reason why they're waiting, that there's maybe men in the city that are going to betray it, you know, the word could easily reach the other party in the city, the Anatolian faction, and they're probably going to snuff out that internal coup attempt if the secret gets betrayed. And then Dercilidus really will have to storm it or abandon the effort probably because the Persian governor is going to show up before he can effectively take the city. But if the commander tells his men nothing, then they're going to think that he's lazy maybe, or even worse, a coward. But on campaign, the Spartans, like basically all the Greeks, they have a practice of consulting the gods' will every morning to decide whether the heavens support them going into the battle or not. And the Romans 
also do this. So, Dercilidus meets with his priest, and they reach an understanding. And the next morning, Dercilidus and his lieutenants, they're standing there attending the sacrifices, and then the priest cuts open the sacrificial animal, maybe it's a bird or a little bunny, and he gives Dercilidus a concerned look, and he shakes his head. Misshapen liver, my lord, or something like that. The omens are not propitious. Ah, Dercilidus exclaims in anger so that everybody can hear. But Pharnabazus is nearby with his army. Do the gods want us to fail? We need to hurry if we're going to take this city. But he defers to the priest. It's foolish to oppose the will of the gods, right? And then the next day, the omens are the same, and Dracilidus is again visibly disturbed. And word starts spreading around the camp. The commander wants to take the city, but, you know, the gods will what they will. And so the waiting continues. And then the next day, it's the same results. But then one allied commander in Dracilidus' camp, he gets fed up and he just leads an assault on the city's water source nearby without permission. And then the townsfolk in the city, they, they charge out of the gates and they, they chase off this little contingent and they kill a few guys and it's a, it's a total failure. So after another couple of days of this, one morning, heralds arrive from the Greeks in the city and they announce to Dercilidus in front of his war council, his lieutenants and his advisors, that the Greeks in the city want to bring the city over to Sparta and they're in a position to do so. And it just so happened then, later that morning, that the sacrifices were propitious. The gods favored an assault. Dercilidus rejoices, and he orders his troops up. They march up to the city gate, and the men open it, and they let them in. And so Dercilidus takes the city with no additional casualties. Now, hopefully you see what happened there. You know, the Spartans were very high-minded about virtue and honesty and straightforwardness, and they were also very pious. They took the gods very seriously. But when it came to war, they were often practitioners of realpolitik. That is, do what it takes to win, be a realist in the political sphere. You might call Dercilidus' actions an example of realpolitik. Be pious in the way that it makes the most sense. Well, today, people are less superstitious when it comes to the gods or the will of heaven. If you claim that you're acting as a servant of God or, you know, waiting for a divine sign before you take some action, then people are probably going to ask you if you forgot to take your medicine that morning. But instead, people are superstitious about other things, about other important spheres of knowledge that they don't understand very well, like science and statistics or macroeconomics. So if you want to buy yourself time in a negotiation or put off a decision, but you're worried about saving face or protecting a secret, well, you could resort to one of those subjects to put people off. Oh, I heard a study about that on a podcast and sounds like there's some safety concerns with the technology, or maybe, oh, well, management has decided to wait on this. The macro environment is a little choppy. 
And you don't always have to know that much about the subject, just maybe a little bit more than the people that you're trying to put off. The key is to pick an excuse that will keep them from asking more questions. Family emergency is another classic excuse in this regard for similar reasons, but that's one people are a little wiser to these days. Of course, people follow leaders a lot more loyally when they feel that they can totally trust them. That's why you should use extreme caution with this strategy and really only in the most urgent circumstances because it can really blow up in your face if people catch you lying or even if they just suspect you're not being honest with them. The best is to tell people a version of the truth, if at all possible. But Xenophon, who is actually the one who tells us this story about Dercilidus, he was both a genuinely pious man and an admirer of Dercilidus. So he believed in the gods, and he also believed that people who trust in them succeed. But Xenophon also believed, like most Greeks, that a great commander will often have to resort to trickery. And many Greeks would refer to this as a mark of Sophia. It's a virtue often translated as wisdom, but often it means something more like cleverness, even trickiness. And of course, it's a mark of cleverness to know when you should be clever and when you should not try to be clever, right? Even Jesus, when he was sending out his disciples to preach the good news, he exhorted them to be gentle like doves, but also told them to be wise like serpents. In other words, to have Sophia. Stay strong, stay ancient. This is Alex Petkus. Until next time.